Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. My name is Jackie Ford and today I'm here with my friend and colleague Anka Herman. Anka lives in Spain. She is a coach who helps new entrepreneurs get traction with their business, whether that's via their inner work, their strategy or using tech, which is wonderful. Um, and Anka also has her own podcast, which is called the Passion Business Podcast, which interviews ordinary people who are doing just amazing things with their business and often don't think that they're doing amazing things with their business. So Anka, welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. (laughs) I'm excited to have you here too because um, one of the lovely things about Anka is her attitude to life. You know, she is a German woman who's currently living in Spain, who's adopted probably more than learning the Spanish language. She's also adopted a new way of being. And we were just speaking about that a couple of minutes ago because Anka and I have been trying to organise this podcast for I don't know how long, (laughs) you know, and there's either been Anka's internet's down or my internet's down or, you know, something's cropped up. And each and both of us have kind of turned around to each other and went, yeah, that's fine. Hey, manana, not a problem. <laughs> you know, and you don't, you don't really expect that from a German woman. Oh, that's funny. It's funny to even, like, bring the German woman in there because I sometimes, I don't know, being in Spain, I sometimes feel more German than I've had in a long time because I've been away from Germany way longer than I've lived in Spain. I've lived in the UK and Australia before that. So Germany, it's like some distant memory, basically. And so I'm not your typical German, kind of, anyway, whatever. And But definitely living in Spain has taught me that doesn't, you know, things change and things are fluid and that's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to live life, isn't it? Just not to take your experiences so seriously and to hold them lightly. Yes. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's true because you can, you can take a changed plan to get yourself wound up about, but when you really look at that, when that frustrates you, and I have moments when I'm being stood up by somebody who, you know, then won't, even send a message to let me know and so you know there'll be moments when I'm like oh you know you could could have said something but when I watch myself and when I observe what's going on Mm -hmm. the thing that upsets me is what I make of that (laughs) because when I'm thinking okay like now you're not coming now you're coming some other day so when I go and say well that means you don't respect me Mm. that's when we get into that territory where, you know, you get upset and you get all frustrated and whatever. So to, to recognize that 
yeah i mean even if somebody stands you up it's barely personal mm-hmm. you know they're just up in their head mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and knowing that you know it helps an awful lot mm-hmm. because all that time you spend stressing yourself out you could do something way more fun oh i know <laughs> and you touched on something really beautiful there anka you know when you said um that space where you know somebody stood you up and then you go into your head and you see things like they don't respect me isn't that curious that part of our either our social conditioning or our cultural conditioning or our you know whatever peer conditioning whatever we have these little stories in our heads that feel like truth to us they feel like a a firm strong boundary and when when you know you come up against that you're you know you're hitting against something that you feel is solid yet all that is is a thought is a concept which is i mean jesus you can't hold it in the palm of your hand can you true and it's it's something that definitely gets broken up when you move to a different country Mm. something that where where all of a sudden you realize how because there are loads of other things you know when you you know where when you think yeah well that's the way things are and then you come and live somewhere else somewhere else and and well no that's not the way that things are for them and that's when you realize that isn't actually that solid it's just something yeah. you're used to or you're being taught or or, or whatever but but assuming intentions, I think that is just the worst. You know, it's a, it's even like that insight. I think it will actually turn my <clears throat> sorry sewing business around from this from this real stressful from this experience of pressure of constant you know like Spanish clients pushing and wanting more and more because. I for a long time thought I had a cultural problem because these things that, you know, people wouldn't, wouldn't show up or show up an hour late and, you know, just mess you around. Basically it was something that only ever happened with Spanish clients. Mm. So I actually thought, Oh, I have a cultural problem here because any international clients I never, and no matter where they're from, never had that sort of problem. And, and I remember even it was that moment when I was like really upset and in this frenzy. And I'm like, for God's sake, you know, you could throttle them all. And it was like, they're just so inconsiderate. And, you know, consideration isn't even a word. And and all of a sudden, it, the thought dropped in my mind, like, no, it's even worse. They don't even... Like they're not even going out to make my day miserable. It's even worse. They don't even think about me. And that was like the one light bulb moment that literally changed kind of everything around. When I suddenly saw, no, nobody gets up in the morning thinking, oh, how can I be with the dressmaker, you know? And that's all of a sudden changed. You know, I, I always think of um do you remember the movie fight club yes uh-huh. i found that fascinating it was the whole movie through i thought things were a certain way and right at the end it was like oh no it was him the whole time and then you go revisit all uh-huh. the other scenes that had happened and you see them from that new perspective and oh, 
oh, you know, and that, like, that's really what happened to me when I all of a sudden, like, oh, no, nobody went out to try and, you know, and I'm like, oh, God, uh-oh, like, the one that caused all the pressure was right here. Mm. You know, that was really, like, a huge shift. Mm. Huge shift that has, that literally changed the whole experience of it, of that whole business, like, in an instant. Mm-hmm. I love that, Inka. And, and and I love what you're pointing to there about how we can have, you know, an idea or a concept about a person and then we only see that person or that group of people through that veil of that concept. So it's tainted. It's like wearing, you know, um, scratched glasses and trying to see clearly. You just can't because your, your ideology or your thought patterns about that person are already in place I remember I used to have a boss like that and she was a very very difficult woman and so I would just look at her and I would get a feeling of oh my god you know this woman's whatever and and I found it very very difficult to settle in her company Hmm. because she was so erratic and she was just so strange yeah and and I think the problem is that we don't know we're wearing those glasses Mm -hmm. we think like what we see is that's what is Mm -hmm. and I think the moment you realize that no no you're actually wearing purple glasses and everything looks purple you know that that is because it was really funny because after that my whole experience of that sewing business of the clients it changed like literally 180 degrees and the fun I thought well okay you know I'm just gonna not put up with this anymore and well if all my clients stay away, then they just stay away. And they didn't. And all of a sudden, people that I'd perceived, as you just said, like I perceive as really like, oh, she's really difficult, really demanding, really whatever, really bossy. All of a sudden weren't. Mm-hmm. And that's when that was actually another inside that was really powerful because my first reaction was see how now that I'm more sort of grounded and I'm standing my ground and I'm not sort of this pushover anymore look how nice they all of a sudden are you know and then it dawned on me oh god that was always there and I just couldn't see it I, I just love it. You know, when you were talking, what came to mind was, you know, that old saying, the penny dropped. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <Quite> literally. <laughs> the penny dropped. There you go. So tell me about your coaching business, Anka. Tell me about how you work with entrepreneurs. It, it really all came about from that change in my own business because when I first moved to Spain, it was like, oh, you know, if I go to Spain, well, why not take a step back and think about what I'd really love to do? Mm. And so the whole idea of having my own little sewing sewing studio came from there. And I just went in there with enthusiasm and a little more, you know, like I know, I knew how to sew like that's like fair enough. But from the point of view of running my own business, like I had no idea. I literally went in with that naivety of, how hard can it be I literally thought that and and so then through that whole 
experience of pressure and that like literally sort of burnout. And then those insights we just talked about immediately after that, when I could see like, oh no, this whole ship had literally mm. turned around 180 degrees. Immediately there was this sense of, oh, I want to help other people who are in a sort of similar situation in the sense that you come to a point in your life where you think, oh, you know, just keep going with the nine to five job feels like, oh, you know, and so you want to do something different and you think, you don't, you don't want to keep going and 20 years later, look back and think, oh God, you know, what all the things I wanted to do, I never got to do. And so the ones who have that sensation want to go out and do something they're really passionate about. I guess that's where all the passion business podcast, all that comes from. But then find like, no, we're not exactly prepared for it. So I think that's where it all came about. And my initial um, thought was helping other people who build a sewing business, because that's what I knew about. And I'm working with people who build a sewing business. I've got my own Facebook group and I'm working with those. But when you really, when I looked at it, I thought, well, it's got nothing to do with sewing. And it's funny because like, you know, sewing business clients will often say, oh, I thought we were talking about, you know, getting more organized or sewing a zipper in faster or whatever. And then, but we never talk about sewing. You know, it's never about that. And that's where I started to opening it up. And it doesn't really matter whether somebody's a photographer or somebody wants to write their book or want, or wants to make jewelry or sell silk flowers to wedding, you know, to wedding companies. And so it's really comes around to that passion business when, when you want to see, do something that comes through, like, you know, from that, mm -hmm. from the bottom of your, your soul mm -hmm. and, and really help people out with, the parts that aren't usually talked about. Yeah. Because if you go and say, well, okay, start my own business, you need a business plan, you need a website, you need this, this, and people are bombarded with with all with so much information. And then they're like, oh shit, where am I gonna start? And I've seen that whatever you do, it's a creative process mm -hmm. and it's not a race. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is show them how to embrace that process rather than stressing themselves out, trying to find shortcuts mm. because there's often that, Oh, your, your, um, shiny object syndrome. Yeah. You know, fair enough. There is a time, take your time with that. You know, there is no need to find the most efficient way from A to B in the very first second. If you land in a new town, take your time to explore. You know, don't, you know, it's it's part of the process and that takes a lot of the pressure as well. And then there's so many uh, follow my six steps proven success formula and I'm all, like, my experience is, well, no, it doesn't actually work that mm -hmm. way. You know, yes, of it, I would say it's, it's like climbing a mountain for the first time. Yeah, of course, you're going to see what other climbers have done and you get recommendations of what kit to buy and you prepare yourself, but you can't expect anybody to give you a detailed map of your mountain. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's, it's that like, yeah, you have to go forward and be prepared to hit a wall and have to go back. And that whole, and it's about the more you can embrace that process. And I think we're even coming back to the manana attitude. Mm-hmm. But the more you can dance with what is, the less struggle this whole process is. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, what I work on with, with my clients. Oh, Anka, I'm just sitting bathing in the love that I'm feeling from you <laughs> as you're talking about that. It's beautiful. You know, it, it, yeah, there's just a lovely, strong feeling of love and connectedness and a beautiful, supportive space. That's just what I'm feeling from what you're saying. Because a lot of people do get into that space, don't they? They feel they've got to get it right when, in fact, when you get it wrong is when you learn, yes. you know, and people are scared to get it wrong because they think that means failure when really all it means is you're going to see something new specifically about either what you want or you don't want. And it's interesting to me, I've got, I've got 35 years corporate business experience. Okay. Sales, marketing, business development, government affairs, and I just never, ever brought that into my work, you know, as a coach. I never really brought it into my work as a coach. And over the last year, I've had people who've been around the principles for years and years and years say, Jackie, I want to do an intensive with you. And I'm like, I'm not doing an intensive with you. You don't need to do an intensive. Why do you want to come and do an intensive with me? And they're like, I don't know. I just know that I have to come and do an intensive. I said, well, okay, if you feel you want to do it, I think you're grounded. I don't think you need to do this. But if you want to do it, let's come and do it. And it's been fascinating to me, Anka, that what has come out of these intensives is they're actually business intensives. So it's a three-month coaching program with this business intensive that starts off where we're looking at, you know, sort of, mind mapping who they are what their story is you know how they can articulate that story in a way that means something to other people how they can have non-promotional stuff and promotional stuff and the dance of that and and it's just been like oh my god I'd forgotten that I that's how I I I lived for 35 years yet I never thought I'd forgotten about it that's funny isn't it it's Mm. I think it happens. Um, it happens a lot. I mean, I've, <laughs> you know, I've changed careers, like you know, well, probably more times than other people change, you know, houses, whatever. But but it's easy to to feel like when you sort of shift to something new or, or you know something different, it's like okay, I'm starting from scratch here. But like we never really do. You know, so I sometimes, oh, God, I've wasted all that time, you know, wasted all that time, you know, like studying languages. I'm like, well, no, I haven't, you know, like I live in Spain, I work in English, you know, I work in German if need be. (laughs) So it's like, oh, they're the three languages, you know, and it's just like, yeah, it's just there. You know, the tech skills, it's just there. It's like, yeah, okay. And, And you sort of use it without, it's easy to forget. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. Mm. and you keep surprising yourself don't you you're just like where'd that come from but you know where it came from <laughs> it mm-hmm. came from this deep well of 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 knowledge and it reminds me about how something that Sid talks about in the missing link um Sid Banks talks about in the missing link and he says you know we're both theosophers and philosophers 
you know, and I thought, what does he mean by that? And then when you read deeper into the chapter, he's pointing towards, as human beings, we're learning all the time. So the philosopher part of us, and I'm saying part, I'm not pointing to no to duality at all here. <laughs> to anybody's listening it's just it's a conceptual idea that, that as human beings we learn via reading and writing and listening to other people's opinion and then we form our own opinion and our way of doing things and then there's the theosopher part of us which is is the part of us where we learn for ourselves there's direct experiential learning mm -hmm. but to live life from one of those aspects alone is not enough yes okay You've got to live from both. So you saying, oh, you know, sometimes I feel as though I've wasted my time. And I've had that thought years ago with me myself as well. It's like, oh my God, no, because you were learning. You were doing the philosopher thing and learning and gaining information. And that's all part of our understanding of life. And then, like you said earlier, you know, these six-step programs or whatever, you don't need that. But you had to experience that to know that you didn't need that. So you can share that with other people from that beautiful space that you just spoke to me from, this gentle, loving, strong, certain space that says, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, for me, it's what sums it up. And I've got that like in this big sun on my website and kind of everywhere. It's like, don't just learn, create. And it's yeah. exactly that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you don't learn. Yeah, of course you go learn from other people and exactly yeah. what you just said. But at some point you have to close the books. And that's where, you know, sort of the magic starts. And, and I cook that way. <laughs> oh, me too. My husband says I'm a witch. I'm always... <laughs> When I have an idea of I want to cook something, you know, we're like, I don't know, whatever. It's like if you've been to a restaurant and you've tasted something in a restaurant, you want to recreate it at home? Yeah. You know, I said, well, oh, I've got some broccoli. I want to do something with it. You know, and I go online, it's like broccoli recipe mm, with a bit of a Thai flair, something I like the Thai. And then go and, I, and I, I look through like 50 recipes. And then I shut the computer and I go in the kitchen and I just do. Uh -huh. You know, and it's that all of a sudden, like, I don't have to be consciously on top of exactly. No, no, no. I've absorbed enough. And I can just sort of close the books now and, and, and create my thing. And it's, oh, you know, I've got parentheses around that whole thing. I've absorbed enough. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. <laughs> that really is beautiful. Imagine, imagine a world of people who, 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 you know, just got on with their life and thought I've absorbed enough especially people who are looking in the direction of this understanding that, you know, that, that we yes. speak of. It's like people just get this like frenetic thirst and they're jumping from one course to the other, to the other, to the other. But they've absorbed enough to go and oh. live life. Yes. Yeah. I often say that it's like when you first come across this understanding of the principles, the three principles it's like people become vampires <laughs> like new vampires need blood yeah. you know so it's like no 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 i need to know more i need to know more but what you just said was beautiful i've absorbed enough yeah that's true isn't it i've never i never even i don't think i've even said that but it's so and it's so relevant for 
and people when they start a business that same frenzy happens there as well mm. so you go certain oh you need to have an online course you need to have this and you need to do videos and you need to do and then the frenzy keeps going into the tech space you know because like I've noticed it a lot with, oh, you, you do a podcast, like how, you know, and, and then podcast. And the first thing, well, what microphone, you know, what, what audio editing, like, don't worry about that. You know, if the thing hasn't got a purpose and a concept yet, like, don't worry about the microphone. But that frenzy from all the things you need to do that keeps going then, you know, yeah. because then, oh, I, I want an online course. And then, okay, now like, what platform and what hosting? And before you know it, you're talking SSL certificates. And then, you know, even if you don't mind the tech, that gets like overwhelming. Yeah. And it's really helpful to remember that, no, you don't have to do it all at, at, or at least not all at once. And what you said before that, that, being prepared to dive in and try something out because there's always there's only one way to find out whether something works for you or doesn't people so you know that's i think that's why these proven whatever methods sell so well because people forever want that certainty they do they want the form don't they yes and they want they want to be certain that it works for them and when somebody promises it's worked for a million other people you know, whether that's true or not, but then people crave that. Mm-hmm. And when you say, well, actually, you know, you're going to, whatever you create, it's new, you know, and it may work for you and it may not. And it doesn't matter either way. It's just, but you have to be prepared to pick one, make a choice. That's another one, you know, mm-hmm. like make a choice to say, okay, I'm going for an online course and I ignore membership sites and all the million other things that, you know, come my way and really jump in with both feeds and feet and give it a good try and see whether that, but being prepared, like look at it as an experiment, mm-hmm. you know, because then there's also, there's no failure. There's the sense of, okay, here's a, here is my assumption or, hypothesis so that's what i think is going to happen let's just have a go and then see was i right or was i not right and either way it says nothing about me absolutely but that's the whole fun of it really isn't it it's it's play just play out there and just play and see what happens from that space like you were pointing there um to feelings of overwhelm and i know you know the entrepreneurs and business people that i work with that overwhelm usually means that their capacity for fresh thought for insight is is significantly reduced because their brain is so full of what they think they're meant to be doing and, you know, I, I've had a recent experience of this with myself, like my company accounts were due and, you know, it was getting up to the deadline for filing and my accountant was asking me for them. I'm like, oh my God, I hate doing accounts. And I did them and yesterday they were all signed off and they're away and I woke up this morning and can, I'm like, I feel great. <laughs> Life's wonderful. I actually, everything looks clearer today. I mean, it, it really, really looks clearer today. And I was laughing with my husband before I came on, on, on the podcast. I said, it's not really how it works, hon, is it? <laughs> but it? But it looks, today it looks like that. 
But I know that when I have something I'm not doing or something I'm doing too much of, mm. and there's other things that I need to be doing that I'm not doing, that I know I'm not doing, there's my capacity is reduced, absolutely reduced. My state of mind is lower than it normally would be. Yeah. Not that anybody else would notice, but there's just this feeling of heaviness. Mm. That's so true, isn't it? Mm. And, I, and I think that's why, like, the whole focus, you know, to, to, is, is to sort of, like, the moment you can see through the stuff that way with you, oh, I've got a busy mind and I'm not seeing, the moment you know that, I think it's like, oh, okay, that's when it drops away. And I think at the end of the day, anybody creating anything, be it a business or something else, it's like what you want to be is at your most creative. So the less you wind yourself up about stuff that isn't even real, mm. the more the more creative you are. And, and, it's, and actually, the, <laughs> what you were just saying reminded me so, so much of the like procrastination. You know, I used to be the procrastination queen. Like I was really bad, like at, at uni, at, at school, you know, like when it came to studying for exams and there was, and then sometimes I even got myself like in the sewing business, I got myself into these, you know, high pressure moments mm. because I was procrastinating. But when I later look at like, isn't that funny? Because all these sort of typical tips and whatever and even that funny ted talk you know about the yeah. instant gratification monkey it's like i can't ever i can relate to the what was it the the the, the monster that like the, the you know the do looming deadline monster like i can relate to that but the instant gratification monkey does nothing for me like it was never about that for me it was when i actually looked at it it was always about there was something that i was overthinking mm you know, for in case or, you know, in the sewing business, like there would be something the client would have said that rubbed me up the wrong way that I took to mean whatever. And then I didn't feel like starting on a dress, you know, and then I had to work through the night to get it done in time, that sort of stuff. And, and for, for exams, it would be like, Oh, why do I have to learn this bloody history stuff by heart? If I can't see the sense of it. Then there'd be that, you know, but it was all because the, the total opposite of it, is that state of creative flow. Yeah. When if you paint or or you you make music or you make a dress or whatever, the, like people can relate to that instantly. It's like when you're in that, like you don't procrastinate, you just do stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah. really, you can really see how that's related to how much busy thinking you've got on your mind. Absolutely. I've also seen instances where, you know, somebody else would have put a label on it as procrastination. True. Uh -huh. Somebody else would have said that. But what's been happening is the idea has been germinating. Yes. You know, so it's been growing and growing inside me so that when I sit down to do whatever it is I need to do, it just comes, it all comes at the same time. You yeah. know, and, and it's beautiful when that happens, isn't it? That sort of creative space. And it's it's like, you know, I'm writing my book, Unashamedly Human. And, you know, at first, you know, I thought, 
I need to do this and I need to plan it all and I need to and I got myself in in the space of I need to Mm. and I just I dropped it the minute I hear myself saying I need to do something I back off I'm like no I don't need to do that I don't need to do it and it was interesting Anka because the minute I stepped back from that space everything just came through you know this is what the book's about here are the chapters you know this is the messaging I want people to hear and it's flowing yeah that I I so relate to that and I've seen that play out like even like the first time I became really conscious of of it was when I was a software developer Mm. because I would be the like we'd have a six-month project right so and there'd be some software to write. So you spend some time talking, you know, to clients or what is it you need, which, you know, so usually sort of workflow kind of applications to speak to the client, try and understand what's really going on. And then I'd go away. And usually by month three or four, I still had not written a single line of code. And I would be like, oh no, they're going to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> client would get like you know people want to see mock-ups they want to just see something and I'm like Mm -hmm. and I'd be sitting there fiddling with a database and fiddling with something else and you know that real and I remember the moment it dawned on me like no it's that I'm exploring and then there comes the moment and actually unconsciously designing the thing because there comes the moment and he, he it's funny how oh, don't you just love it when it comes back like that I've absorbed enough now and there comes that moment and the thing is right there and it just mm. goes through and then in a couple of weeks I'd be boom 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 and the thing would be flying yeah and and that and it will settle into that process and allowing the exploration without beating yourself up like I should be, you know, should have written something by now. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. Oh, it's it's hugely powerful. Just you know, but, but to be able to rest in that space and to know that that's okay. But that's not part of our our um, our educational conditioning. That's not you know, it's not the way we've been taught to think that things come about. It's about hard work and effort and sweat and you know really really putting your whole self into things rather than stepping back from things to get a completely different perspective and i think you're not even putting yourself less in i think you're even putting yourself more in yeah i think (laughs) i did i did um a post on linkedin a few months ago was hilarious it was a real shitstorm post and and it was called like goals are stupid (laughs) <laughs> and it basically when like the message was that because when you try and set and that's what we're taught you know you have to plan this and you have to follow a plan and and have your milestones and you know project management you know it's all I mean obviously you need to if there's more people and whatever you need to coordinate things you know I'm not saying you should just always sort of float around but I think these goals and milestones aren't always as helpful as they're made out to be. Uh-huh. Well, when they become a rod for your own back, they're not as helpful. But as, as a marker of, you know, sort of where you're going and what you want to do, 
Mm. I, I often feel, you know, like, like when, when I'm working with corporate clients, there's a game that you play. You know, if that is something that's important to other people, then you give them what they, they need. But you know that these, these goals or these outcomes are flexible because you know at the end of what you do, and, and I say that with such certainty, you know by the end of what you do that you will have over-delivered on what the client actually wants. Yeah. Because they always get what they need, <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> what they want. Yeah, that's so you true. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yes, I love. I love that. The fact that differentiation between what people want and what they ask for, mm -hmm. it's so powerful. It's something like I, I learned and like it was sort of, you know, lesson number one in software development, like never ever do what the client asks you to do, you know, because they always will ask for, I want a red button here, yeah. you know, when what they really want is an efficient way to get something approved. Yeah. You know, and and I've seen that same thing happen with, with um with dressmaking as well. You know, people will come and say, "Oh, I want, I want a straight skirt that goes straight down to the knee and then flares out." And I'd say, "Well, actually, you won't be able to dance in that. You know, because you can't, <laughs> you can't yeah. move." And uh, and and it's it's questioning like trying to find what's what's actually underneath there because at the end of the day she doesn't want a straight pencil skirt she wants a skirt that doesn't look look doesn't make her look fat on stage that's what she wants mm -hmm. you know and her interpretation of that is to you know ask for this real pencil skirt that makes her look slim you know and then she doesn't take into account that well actually when you have that you can't actually dance what you normally dance so it's actually not functional and and I think it's it's our job in, in, in so many ways, you know, and as coaches, I think as well, is really like digging underneath what the surface problem is. Yeah. Yeah. I see that so often. You know, like somebody will come, <clears throat> I, I worked with um, a lady who was a professional singer and she was procrastinating and you know wasn't going to rehearsals and and wasn't going to auditions to get new jobs and so her income was decreasing and she was becoming more and more depressed and she wanted the procrastination to go but the story was never ever about procrastination mm. it was about a story of a deep-rooted fear that she had as a child mm. that had become the foundation of story upon story that continually through her life stopped her from doing things you know and it's it's interesting it's like we didn't go digging about in the past that was her insight she saw that from what we were speaking about because i mentioned to her i said uh, this lady uh, worked in um in europe and um, she's originally from northern ireland 
And I told her, I used to work in Northern Ireland. And I said, you know, it's really interesting to me. I said, all the people that I've ever worked with from Northern Ireland, I said that there's history there. There's history, you know, a, a lot of a lot of your parents were brought up in an environment that was very fearful. It's kind of like many of us who've had parents who were brought up in World War II. There was a very fearful environment. And when that is your normality, then you lay down stories, you lay down memories that that's what is normal. So anything that you know, sort of this egoic idea of who you think you are that steps out of that normal, kicks in or is presented to you, then there's going to be turmoil because you 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 feel that doesn't keep you safe. And, and that's what the ego wants to do. You know, it wants to keep you safe. It wants to keep you small. It doesn't want you to change because it's happy with how things are. Whereas your true nature, your true self doesn't care. <laughs> comes from this manana state of life and it was fascinating because she saw so deeply into that that not only did the whole procrastination thing go in a couple of weeks she was out there booking you know new new singing gigs she even started a school to help other kids sing but bring this understanding from her perspective and she said I need to formally learn I went oh my god no teach what you know about what you do yeah. that's that's all that's required here yeah and there's uh, my guess would be that she's even that she's improved as a singer she actually said that she said that she she heard herself somebody recorded her singing and she said i haven't felt that joy or heard myself sing so well hmm. From the time that I first started singing, so as a young a young woman, a fourteen year old girl, she said that I've got that back. Yeah, yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew. Yeah, because I've had a client who was we worked on. Like I remember the first time she contacted me, she said, "How how much can I mark up my skirts without scaring my customers away?" Mm -hmm. Like that's where we started. Mm -hmm. and, and then after a while of not talking about sewing, she said, you know what the weirdest thing is? I'm a different dancer. Mm. And, I've, and, I've, and she says, you know, I used to get really like nervous, stage fright. But now I've seen that, no, the audience, people don't come to see me fail. They don't come to look for mistakes. They come to enjoy the evening. Mm. And so she really saw something there that allowed her to just step out and dance mm. and enjoy it. And I've seen she posted a photo on Facebook and I could read the comments underneath from other people saying, I've never seen you dance like that. Yeah. And it makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, to freedom of mind, freedom from your own internal chatter, you know, to know that it's there and not care, not care what it's saying. It's like, I'm, I'm, up, well, I'm redoing my website at the moment and I'm doing all these little video clips, you know, for the website. And I, I've been just laughing, you know, at myself doing them. And uh, I can hear my internal chatter going, you know, this internal dialogue going, you know, like, what? Really? You're saying that to me now when I'm doing this? And it just, 
doesn't bother me anymore but that's what would have limited me in the past Anka that would have been I would have taken that as fact I would have taken that as, as being a truth about me you know yeah. I am a I am a almost 57 year old woman I have my hair's going white and I'm loving it Anka you know I love it you know I I've got wrinkles on my face and I love them you know, my body is curvy and it's, you know, it's, it's something's happening at the moment and it's becoming less curvy, but, but, but in a very, very beautiful, natural way after me fighting against my body for God knows how many years, Anka, you know, so there's just this beautiful undoing of who I thought I was. Mm. So to be able to sit in front of the camera and see all of that and go, it's okay that I'm not 22 years old with my tits up at my... <laughs> you know, up here. I'm, you know, and I've got red clothes and I've got white hair and I've got a chubby face. You know, and it's just like, I don't care because I love what I'm doing. And, and, and I love sharing what I've seen and I love helping people see through all these myths and misunderstandings that are just like, oh my God, please settle into life. Yeah. It's and such it's fun. So much more lighthearted and fun when you know you don't have to take, you know, the chatter seriously. <laughs> you know, it's it's very funny. I remember being on holiday in um, Amsterdam with the family and I'd broken my leg and I had like a moon boot on and I had my crutches and I put on a, I had on a nice little um, skirt. It was, you know, quite a shortish skirt that was fitted um, just above my knee. And um, we were going out and I, I said to my husband, do you think I need to wear a coat? He says, no, 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 you'll be, you'll be okay. You don't, you're fine. You don't need to wear a coat. And then the thought that came to mind was, but my arse looks really big. <laughs> I thought you know, that you did, you did not ask him that. I know, I know, I know, stupid, stupid, stupid positioning point. And so, and then it was like this thought came, oh my God, your arse is so big. And, and then this next thought came and it was a really stupid thought and it was kind of like, nobody cares Jackie you're not going to start another world war because you're going out and you've got a curvy backside you know nobody cares <laughs> yeah and so I, I went out without my coat you know but it's but that I remember Anka being a size I'm five foot ten and I remember being a size between an eight and a ten I was tiny I'm very narrow and um, I remember being very 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 slim almost I mean there was points where I was sort of anorexic when I was younger and um, I remember saying to my friends, I wouldn't go up to the bar to get a drink because I thought my backside, my arse looked big. Right. And here's me now. I'm the first one up at the bar and my arse is about 10 times bigger than it was way back then. And that's just a thought, Anka. Yeah. A stupid thought that and held me back. back from so much, you know, doing so much. And I, I like you, so I... I offered uh, Zoom calls in my Facebook group a couple mm. of years ago. And it was really difficult to get people to join me there mm. because the reaction was, oh, I don't want to, you know, like I'm really, I, I, I've, I don't feel comfortable with video for that same reason. Yeah. It's like, oh, what will people think? And I think, well, you don't even know what you're going to think a minute from now. You mm. can't possibly predict <laughs> what other people will think. And, he, and whatever they think, it's what they think. So, you know, what does it have to do with you? 
but it's like it's it when you think it does have something to do with you like it holds you back from doing so much stuff and enjoying the things i mean sometimes you still have to do it but then you don't enjoy it because you're like you know mm-hmm. what will people think and what will people say and and that's normally the behind also when people can't make a decision yeah and and you see it sometimes like my dancer clients they would toss and turn over the color of of the edge of of a ruffle and sometimes you think you know what the, the person closest to you when you're on that stage is about five meters away and i can't see that color when i'm standing right next to you and even if it did do you really think somebody will think something different about your performance based on the color of that edge you know no people don't you know like and you're never gonna yeah it's like it's like doing a rain dance trying to change the weather mm-hmm. you can dance all you want you know it's gonna rain when it's gonna rain and to know that then you can still dance but then you can <laughs> enjoy it <laughs> Yeah, enjoy it without expecting anything from it. And I think if we all approached our lives and our businesses in that way, just live life and, you know, expect nothing. Um, Because life isn't a business transaction and you will see and experience life in a much more lighthearted and, I don't know, just a, a much better way than if you go through life expecting things to be one way or another. Anka, thank you so much for being a guest in the Energy oh, with Human you. podcast. Thank you so much I, for having me. It feels like we could talk for about another 10 hours here. It's just like <laughs> such a lovely conversation. Anka, I will put all your details um, on the podcast notes and uh, hopefully people who are looking for someone like you to coach them uh, they'd be very lucky to have you coach them you have such a beautiful energy and uh, I'm very grateful for the time that you've taken today to have a chat with me thank you so much and I'm very grateful for you to invite me you're welcome thanks so much it was a lovely conversation you could be larger than life Cool.